Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. While you remain standing, I don't have a scripture to read for my sermon today, but I will be reading some scriptures in there somewhere because it's from the Bible, of course. Amen. But I just want to give you my title, The Cause of the Cross. Thank you, Jesus. The Cause of the Cross. And before you're seated, let's just praise Him one more time. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We praise you. God, your will be done in your way. Sunday is overwhelmingly a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection is without a doubt the most significant event that took place in the four uh, Gospels, uh, you know, of the New Testament. Amen. And, you know, many great religious leaders in history have died for their cause. They were buried and none of them rose from the dead like Jesus did by the power of God after those three days. So the resurrection is what gives the church and the gospel message, saving message of the church, the power that it really has. John 14, 9, Jesus said, A little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. He's talking about, I'm going to live after the three days. I'm, I'm going to live so you have a chance Amen. At living and having a new life and, and spending eternity in heaven with me. You see, the resurrection also makes it possible for God's people to rise to meet the Lord in the air when that great day arrives. Romans 8, 11 said, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. But having said all that, you cannot have a resurrection without having a death. And when we think about Jesus dying on the cross, there's a question that comes to mind. Who was really responsible for the death of Jesus? Was it Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 chosen apostles? Remember, Judas, uh, Jesus spent all night in prayer before he chose those 12 apostles. Amen. And he chose all 12 and they're listed in three different gospels by name. And Judas is always mentioned last. Amen. And he's mentioned last and he's said to be the betrayer and the traitor. And in fact, in the gospel of John, Jesus told his apostles, have not I chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil. So Jesus knowingly chose Judas because he was God in human form, he knew what Judas was going to do. And he chose him anyway. Now think about that for a second. God does not always act on his foreknowledge. Just think, if you owned a business and you had foreknowledge like God did, and somebody came to interview with you and you needed uh, to hire somebody, and uh, they looked good on paper and they sounded good, but you knew 
They sounded good, but they were going to soon steal from you and they were going to threaten your life. Would you hire them anyway? Nope. Jesus picked Judas anyway because Jesus knew that his foreknowledge wasn't the important thing. It was the plan of God and the will of God, amen, that trumped it all. That, that was the most important thing. That is powerful. So, you know, Judas was the treasurer of the 12 apostles. He kept the money bag. He would steal from it often. And he secretly went to the Jewish leadership and made uh, an agreement with them to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. So was it Judas or was it the Jewish leaders themselves, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, and, you know, the elders, the Sadducees? You know, because as soon as Jesus started his earthly ministry, they started getting jealous of him. They started getting upset because he was taking all the people away from them and they were following him. Mark 1.22, the Bible said, and they were astonished at his doctrine the people were, because he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. You know, I think it was getting kind of boring at synagogue with the scribes in those days and the Pharisees. They, but people were falling asleep in church. The people were not really getting anything. And here comes Jesus on the scene. And he talks, amen, and it's powerful. And he backs up his words with miracles, signs, and wonders. And the people are amazed, amen. He speaks with authority. And the elements obey him. Amen. Jesus was a threat to them in their nice religious system. They had set up and it was shallow and it was powerless. They were in it for the glory. They were in it for the accolades. They were in it for the praise of people. But in the end, no matter how many times they tried to trip him up, you read, they tried to ask him hard questions. They tried to put situations right in front of him in a public setting to, to humiliate him, put him on the spot. He always had the right answer. He always got the better of them time and time again. They were publicly humiliated and it infuriated them and it made them even more upset and, and jealous of him. And when they saw that none of their plans would work, they got together Amen. To decide and pull out all the stops and to plan on how they could kill him. Matthew 26, 59. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death. And then when they finally delivered him to Pilate, the Roman uh, governor at the time, and, and Pilate right off the bat, he knew that they, that they delivered him for envy. He knew that they were upset at Jesus because he was one-upping them. He had more to give than they did. Amen. And so we get to the place where, was it Judas Iscariot? Was it the Jewish religious leadership? Or was it Pontius Pilate and the Romans? For we know that Pontius Pilate, Rome was in charge. They were the power of the known world at the time. And they, and, and they put people in charge uh, to run the different provinces. And the province of Judea was run by a governor named Pontius Pilate. Amen. And when Jesus was taken captive at the Garden of Gethsemane, he was brought by the chief priests and the scribes to Pontius Pilate because you see though they wanted him dead they could not execute him under Roman law at, at the time so they had to break their case with Pontius Pilate so that he would take care of the situation for them 
And after interrogating Jesus, Pilate, who was the Roman governor, amen, he, he just couldn't believe that Jesus was just calm. Jesus was just cool and collected. Jesus was not afraid and nervous like other criminals he has seen brought before him. Amen. He did not act like regular uh, somebody that was in trouble. Amen. Somebody that was uh, ready to die, possibly. He spoke with confidence and authority and truth. And it just set Pilate back a little bit. And at one point, Jesus stopped answering questions. Jesus stopped defending himself. And Pilate got very frustrated with him. And he said uh, in John 19, then Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? And Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Amen. So then Pilate's gone. Whoa, this guy's, you know, who is this guy? You know, are you really the king of the Jews? Well, you say so. No, I'm not saying so. All these people out here are saying so. You know, and he was just like getting Pilate all fired up. And then to make matters worse, Pilate's wife, you know, comes in on the side, you know, like, what are you doing here, honey? I'm, I'm, I'm having an interrogation. And she's going, come here. And he goes, she, he goes over there. I have suffered in a dream today because of this man. Be careful what you do with him. And then he's like, oh, my goodness. And he goes back over there. And then now he's really afraid to, to do anything with Jesus. Amen. And. Even though Pilate, he just, he just brought Jesus out to the Jewish people and he said, look, you know, I find no fault in him. I'll just, you know, I'll just give him a couple of whips or whatever and let him go. He's not nothing done worthy of death. No, no, crucify him, crucify him. They would not hear it and they got all crazy with it. And even though Pilate tried to release Jesus, the Jews opposed it so much that he had no choice but to order the crucifixion to keep the peace in his province. So the Roman soldiers carried out Pilate's order to crucify the Lord. And crucifixion was not invented by the Romans, but it was perfected by the Romans. And it was an ultimate form of execution by torture. You did not die from the nails going through your body, holding you to the cross or the wood that they put you on. You died from exposure and asphyxiation. Because at some point, you were too weak that you couldn't even breathe up there. Amen. And crucifixion was typically only reserved for people who committed the most heinous crimes. And yet here, we have the sinless Lamb of God about to be crucified. Amen. So was it Judas Iscariot? Was it the religious Jewish leaders? Was it Pontius Pilate and the Romans uh, that was the cause of Jesus' death? Or was it Satan himself? You know, after Jesus was baptized and officially started his earthly ministry, he was tempted in the wilderness by Satan. We know, amen, that he fasted 40 days and nights, you know, and, you know, I don't know about you. I've never done that, but I'd be ready to probably eat rocks after that. But he, he said, he, he said, hey, why don't you, you know, I know you're the son of God. Why don't you turn those rocks into bread? Because he wasn't done fasting yet. And he, and he you know, so that was the first temptation. And there was these, a couple of more temptations. So, so this, this devil, this Satan was trying to see who this Jesus was and what he was made of. And what, what, what is this? What, what am I, do I need to worry about this guy? You know, because you know, Satan had his kingdom all set up and nice. And he didn't want anybody upset in the apple cart. And so he tempted him. 
right off the bat. And we know during the earthly ministry of Jesus, Satan's kingdom was getting rocked and reeled and punched and knocked down, amen, from the power and the authority and the miracles of Jesus. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see that demons are being cast out left and right, amen, and, the, and evil and, and darkness is being pushed back, and people are being healed and delivered. Spiritual darkness has no choice but to yield and to bow when the power and light of Jesus comes into town, amen. And so Satan's kingdom was starting to come down, amen. So he had, he had every intention and he had every reason to be the one to cause the death of Jesus. And we also know that Satan entered into Judas Iscariot that fateful evening at the Last Supper in the upper room to go and conspire with the chief priests and captains on how he would betray Jesus. Satan not only influenced Judas, he influenced the Jewish religious leaders, he influenced the Romans, he influenced them all. Amen. So was it Judas? Was it the religious leaders? Was it uh, the, uh, the Romans? Or was it Satan? Amen. All of these I mentioned seem to qualify as responsible parties individually or in some combination as the, the real reason why Jesus died on the cross. Why he, you know, who was responsible for his death. Amen. But I, I will have to tell you this morning, if you selected any one of those or any combination of those that would be responsible for killing Jesus, you would have been totally mistaken. Amen. Because the only one who was really responsible, there is one who was responsible for the death of Jesus and that's none other but Jesus himself he is the one he's the reason he is the reason that he died on the cross <coughs> amen John chapter 10 verse 17 Therefore doth my Father love me, because I laid down my life, that I may take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. Amen. There's no Judas. There's no leaders. There's no Romans. There's no devil. There's no nobody that can lay it down. If I did not want it to lay down, I chose. I chose. I chose. Only Jesus had power to lay down his life. Amen. Nobody could have put him on that cross unless he allowed them to. Amen. He even said one time, he said, don't you even, when, when, uh, uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when, when Judas came with, the, with all those people to take him captive, and uh, Peter and them grabbed swords, and they started defending, and he said, put your swords down. I told you this was going to happen. He said, don't you know that I could call 12 legions of angels right now and wipe out everything? I could wipe out the Roman army, but how would the will of God be accomplished? How would the salvation of souls be accomplished? How would a church ever be born? How would people ever be, have hope? How would people ever get to heaven if I didn't go through with this? Nobody put him on that cross but himself. 
Hebrews 10, 7, quoting an Old Testament passage that was prophetic, said, look, then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures, talking about Jesus. I've come to do your will. I've come to die. Amen. I've come to be the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of all the world. It was the desire of Jesus Christ to be obedient to the will of God, and the will of God was him to willingly die for our sins. Philippians 2, 7, but, but Jesus made himself of no reputation and he took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He did that. He did that. 1 John three sixteen. hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. He laid it down. He was on the cross from 9 o'clock in the morning till 3 p.m. People at the foot of the cross, sympathetic to his cause, his followers and others that were mocking him and some that were disinterested soldiers and whatever, just waiting to get off their shift. Amen. But during that six hours, he experienced unimaginable pain and suffering. But what kept him on the cross? We know that he's the one that allowed himself to be put on the cross. But what kept him on the cross? Amen. If you have any idea of, of saying that it was those three rusty nails that kept him on the cross, you would be mistaken. You would have to think again because his love for us, amen, took him to the cross. His love for us kept him on the cross and his love for us caused him to go all the way and to give the ultimate sacrifice which was to give his life for our sins. Romans 5, 8, For God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. While we were yet sinners. You know, if you read up a little bit earlier in that chapter, it says, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, family will die for family. You know, they'll give, they'll give you... A kidney if you if you're a match or or you know there's a car going and then one of the kids are in the street and it's just me or that kid and, and that's that's my nephew or that's my family or that's somebody or whatever I, I and I know I know that, uh, that I'm not gonna make it if he's gonna make it amen that's love amen but that that's somebody I care for and, and maybe you would do it for a stranger I don't know you, you never know because it's a split second and you know you, you never know what's happened but but Jesus said he, God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies of the cross, enemies of God, he died for us. And I know he died 2,000 years ago before we were all born, but you see the premise, amen. He died for people that weren't asking for him. He died for people that didn't want him, amen, hoping. He died hoping, amen, that uh, once he did this, uh, that somebody, amen, would give their lives uh, because of that ultimate sacrifice, give that right back to him. So how much did Jesus love us? How much did he love us? He loved us this much. Amen. I don't believe uh, that when they put that, they laid that cross on the ground and they laid him, he wasn't fighting like those other two guys, those two thieves uh, on either side of him. They probably struggled and fought and it probably took two or three or four Roman guards to pull their arms down and their legs to put them on the cross. Jesus laid there willingly. I love you this much. I'm not going to fight. 
This is my, this is my purpose. This is the plan of God. Amen. That's how much he loves us. He loved us this much. Amen. Amen. Praise God. There, there's a, a little song. I'm just going to sing it a cappella, but it's just uh, as we come, started coming to an end here, uh, amen, it just kind of, I felt to, uh, these words came to my mind. It's an old song from a long time ago. Uh, amen. And it, 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 uh, I'll just sing it a little bit here. It says, go ahead, drive the nails in my hands, laugh at me where you stand. Go ahead, say it isn't me. The day will come when you will see, cause I'll rise again. Ain't no power on earth can tie me down. Yes, I'll rise again. Death can't keep me in the ground. Go ahead and mock my name my love for you is still the same go ahead and bury me but very soon i will be free cause i'll rise again ain't no power in earth can tie me down yes i'll rise again death can't keep me in the ground go ahead and say i'm dead and gone but you will see that you were wrong go ahead try to hide the sun but all will see that i'm the one cause i'll rise again ain't no power on earth can tie me down Yes, I'll rise again. Death can't keep me in the ground. Amen. Let's all stand right now. We are not serving some dogma or doctrine this morning that's just some dead thing in a book. We're not serving some buried belief today. We're serving a risen Savior, a living God. And because He lives, I can face tomorrow. I can have abundant, overcoming life. Amen. And I can have a bright future with Him right now and forevermore. said I am he that liveth and was dead and behold I'm alive forevermore amen and have the keys of hell and of death you want to know who has the keys to all your problems all the answers to your hard questions all your situations that you're you're at a dead end and you're not sure what to, what to do and where to turn amen he's got the keys to death and hell amen no matter what you're going through amen there's nothing worse than death and hell he's got the answers amen and you haven't really lived until you have jesus living in you you haven't really lived until you have jesus living in you morning is, do you have his resurrection power living inside of you this morning? A lot of people claim to be believers in this world, and that's wonderful. 
Amen. Anybody that believes in God, that's good. Praise God. That's a good day. Amen. But Apostle Paul found some believers in chapter 19 of the book of Acts, and, and he came up to them, and he asked them a very important question. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit since you believed? Amen. And so I encourage every one of you, if you haven't received the Spirit of God, you, you have a belief in God, you have a belief in Jesus. What I said to you today, you were amening and you believe, amen, that Jesus was God in human form that came to be the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Amen. Don't just stop. Amen. And, and, and belief, mental belief, but also go on to receive the Spirit of God in your life. Amen. Just ask Him and He will fill you. Praise God. What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast and may God bless you.